0: Thank you for checking out the Life Church podcast here at Life Church Utah, located in Salt Lake City. We hope this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can text the word LCGive to 95577 or visit us at LifeChurchUtah.com. So, this week we're going to be focusing on this attribute of Advent that can really be transformative for us. But joy can seem like it's elusive because we treat joy uh, at times just in in one particular way, and that is, um, well, I'm going to help us with joy for just a moment. You guys ready? As if we haven't already had smiles enough, uh, turn your attention really quickly to the screen. it would help with that audio. could just listen to that for hours. Well, maybe not for hours, but I could listen to that uh, more than that little bit there. Um, And uh, boy, there's something right about a a, a laughing child that gets us every time. And uh, I mean, you think about it, uh, that is one of the things as parents, there's a competition who can get your son or daughter to smile first? I mean, that, that is like, a real thing in the world, right? You're trying to get your child to laugh first and all of that. So joy, there's something that's really contagious about it, about joy of a laughing child. It's, it's the innocence. It's the, the laughing at something that maybe we miss out on. Like, when's the last time you laughed when you ripped paper? Right? I mean, it's just not something that you think about uh, very often. But here's this child, you know, the, the dad's there ripping the paper, the kid's laughing hysterically, and what do we do? We join in that innocent moment of laughter and of joy. Now, it's totally opposite, and uh, perhaps you've been in this situation before. Anybody ever been on an airplane? And you don't have a laughing child, but you have the other. <laughs> right, you have that moment. I remember back years ago. Uh, my, uh, my my wife, we were living in Colorado at the time, down in Greeley, and uh, the um, she had gone down to visit her family down in Kentucky, and so had flown down there. And this was the era when you didn't have, um, th- there were no phones available, right? Uh, that you could uh, could call on or anything. While you, well, you're not supposed to still do that on the plane, but when you land, right, you text somebody, say, "Hey, we made it safe and sound, and all of that." Well, this was before that era, and here is the picture that I had. I'm waiting there at the gate. This was before. I mean, this is still when you could be at the gates. And uh, I, rem- I got to reenact it here. So I'm, I'm standing, you know, kind of somewhere over there, and my wife comes off of the plane, holding our oldest daughter, who is about a year and a half, at arm's length, hands me the child, and then she just proceeds to walk off. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, oh, but she's so wonderful. She's sitting there and she was, you know, she was in a good mood at that point, and, you know, and just kind of smiling and all of that. But I, noticed, I knew something was wrong when every passenger walking by was doing this. <laughs> so it turns out, uh, basically, from the time they left, I think it was probably Nashville that they left from, from the time they left to the time they landed, our daughter screamed the entire time. So much joy was on that plane. <laughs> right? That's totally the opposite. That's not the fun moment, and uh, we, still, uh, we still laugh about that now, uh, but there was not a laughing moment <laughs> there. I still remember her face handing me Kelsey, and it was just beautiful. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, so what is joy? Where does it come from? I think if we're just going to look at a, a basic uh, definition of it, we've got one for you, and uh, it says joy defined. It's the emotion. So there's an emotion that is joy. It's evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just a definition, right? So underneath it, delight, great pleasure, joyfulness. You can see all the words uh, that are there as this definition of joy. Now, as a noun, joy is familiar to us. It's comforting. And I can think of joy moments in my life. One of those was definitely the birth of our firstborn child, little knowing down the road that her scream and her yell and her cry would be very difficult for us as a family. We're still recovering uh, from that. Uh, but um, but I, I remember there in the, uh, in the hospital room, and that first breath, the first cry of the baby, cutting the umbilical, I mean, all of, those, all of those things in that moment, boy, there was a joy at the birth of our oldest daughter. Now, there was a joy at the other ones as well. <laughs> the other three, the other, we have four. It's not like it got worse as time went on. Um, but there, there was a special joy for, for daughter number one. I mean, the first time being, you know, being a dad and father. I mean, all of those things are lined up in that moment. There is a special joy. Think of joy in the expectation of marriage, right? There's a, there's a joy leading up to marriage. And I've been married now for 26 years, and I've got to tell you that joy only increases. And that's because she's on her way here. And um, no, no, absolutely right. I mean, there's an expectation of joy in marriage right before you get married, but that joy grows, I believe, and that, that, expectant, that expectant heart of joy is something that we, as a, as a married couple, uh, certainly try to cultivate. Uh, joy is an accomplishment, joy in spending time with friends. But uh, there is a joy, and I think that the joy for us is not drummed up kind of emotional joy but I think um, that there is a a joy that we have that outlasts the momentary. Now let me give you a picture of the momentary joy that I'm talking about. Uh, So um, recently I've come from Chicago, and a couple of years ago uh, something happened in Chicago that nobody thought they would see in their lifetime, and uh, that was the World Series and a particular win. So this is 2000. Can I show you what it was like around Wrigley Field? the moment of the win for the Chicago Cubs after waiting 108 years for the win. Here we go. Now, it's going to be another 108 before they win another one, so we've got to give them some credit here. But that joy, and I mean, it's almost like you could hear it around all of Chicago. And i got to tell you, I mean, Chicago has, has a reputation for being a violent city, right? I mean, you hear about that all the time. Uh, that night, there were a number of uh, many, many folks who thought violence would erupt But I can tell you, after living, I wasn't there in downtown Chicago, but I can tell you uh, that violence did not happen on the scale that they thought it was going to happen because there was joy. Something about that joy. And so uh, the thing is, this kind of joy fades. Chicago Cubs fans had to face the next year (laughs) when they did not win the World Series again, and so that joy fades. Just like any of your favorite teams, things like that, that joy has to fade. But I believe that there is a joy that does not have to fade. I believe that there is a joy that can so undergird us every moment of our lives that it doesn't have to f- have to fade. And so, first of all, Advent joy is God-centered. Advent joy is God-centered. It's not, uh, it's not focused on circumstances of our life. It's not focused on a relationship per se, but it is God-centered. And if you've ever felt powerless or overwhelmed, it's into these moments that this God-centered joy can speak and can interrupt that, that broken moment in your life. There's a strength available to us that, in essence, uh, is kind of hidden to others that maybe are not following after Christ. Because when we walk through difficult circumstances, I'm going to share some scriptures in just a little bit. When we walk through difficult circumstances, there is something within us that is different than what the world can provide. There's this uh, story, it's actually a kind of a painful story, of a woman by the name of Hannah, and uh, she was barren, no children, and uh, she, she and her husband longed for children, and uh, for some reason, um, she was not able to, and uh, so she went year after year after year to the temple, ba- this is back in the Old Testament, back in the uh, book of 1 Samuel, she went year after year to the temple pleading and crying out that she would be able to become pregnant, and I think there are some in here that, that understand that longing and that, that pain that is associated with, um, with a circumstance like that. But it, it turns out that a miracle happens, and she ends up uh, getting pregnant, and uh, there's a joy associated with this. Listen to what Hannah says in response to what's happening in her life. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. She says, My heart rejoices. This is that verbal form of joy. This is the action side of joy. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. That's not like a trumpet, okay? Not a... Okay, that's not what it is. My horn, what it's referring to in the Old Testament is referring to strength. It's like a... Um, it, it's, uh, boy, the word escapes me right now. Uh, when a word means another word. Yes. What it means is it, it, uh, it means strength. And there is, um, in the altars that were built back in the Old Testament, they had uh, protrusions off the edges of those altars. And so when you would refer to the horn of the altar, um, it would refer to strength. And so when she's saying this, my horn is lifted up by the Lord, that's the strength. That's basically the strength of her sacrifice is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation, referring to God. Now, fast forward about a 1,000 years. This time, another angel appearing to a young lady by the name of Mary, giving her the news that she is going to bear a child, not any child, but Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. At the end of that conversation that she has with this angel, she says this, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. In that moment, we've already talked a little bit about that overwhelming sense from Mary of what she is walking through in, this, in this, uh, this circumstance that could be extremely difficult for a young mother who is unwed. Probably tinged with fear, all these unknown things, staring at Mary and Joseph in about nine months. <laughs> well, a couple of months after that encounter with the angel, she goes and visits her cousin. Her cousin's name is Elizabeth. And she goes and visits her and spends a little bit of time with her. And in this, in this time that she's with her cousin, uh, really she gets overwhelmed by the presence of God. And there's a confirmation about what, uh, what's going to be happening to her in her life. And she breaks out in song, and this is called the Magnificat. Um, that's one way to refer to it. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 47, just the beginning part of it. Now, I want you to remember what Hannah said about a 1,000 years ago. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My, my strength is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. This is Hannah, a barren woman, receiving this gift from God. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She echoes this heart's cry of a woman who is filled with, with joy. I love being able to look back at the word of God and find places of foundation in my own life to say, God, this is, this is the strength that I need. God, this is the foundation I need to make it through to the next day because the troubles of this day are enough on their own. So joy, it is truly focused on a savior. Hannah rejoices in God, her savior. Mary responds in joy to God, her savior. And Nehemiah in the Old Testament says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Have you ever felt weak? (laughs) Have you ever felt kind of downtrodden? The Bible says that the joy of the Lord, God has joy, and that joy is our strength because it doesn't come from us. It's not something that we drum up. It's from outside of us. Now, it's more than an emotion of the moment, even though I do like feeling joyful. That's a great thing. I'd rather that than feeling uh, mournful or baleful or something else, right? And it's contagious when joy is true. When somebody is truly joyful, it is contagious, just like that little child laughing a little bit ago. So joy finds itself firmly established in the presence and relationship of the Lord um, with his people. And that joy should result in something in our lives. And I think also Advent joy leads to worship. Advent joy leads to worship. Not only is it grounded in God, but Advent joy leads to worship. We haven't talked too much about these uh, characters that I'm going to tell you about next uh, in the, in the uh, Christmas story. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, uh, carries the story of the shepherds. The shepherds, the lowly shepherds, right? It says, in the same region where there, or there were shepherds out in the field... And suddenly, it's like like heaven couldn't hold it back anymore, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, which I think is great, "Uh, let's go over to Bethlehem and see what we've been told, (laughs) right? I mean, that's a a great response to that, uh, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went out from this moment of seeing the Christ child for themselves. With their own eyes, they went out rejoicing in the Lord. This inbreaking of the supernatural into the natural seems to be a hallmark of the Christmas story. Time and time and time again, it's like God is saying, let me get your attention. I'm up to something new. Now, the shepherds, minding their own business at the fields late at night, keeping watch over their flocks, they had, you know, maybe, uh, had, I mean, they had done this for years, right? They'd been out there year after year after year. Nothing like this had ever happened, but this night was different. A crack appears in the sky, perhaps, and an angel comes down and says to them, I have good news of great joy, and the joy's for all the people. It's not just for you. Now, why were they the first ones to hear the story after Jesus was born? I I think part of the reason is is that God wanted to give news to the average people. I mean, the the, the shepherds were the average of the average. The, The people that got the news were not the kings and the princes, not those in ruling and power. God says, I'm going to give the best news of all time to average people. Raise your hand, amen, I mean, it's really good. So, how many of you are average, right? I mean, they're, they're, moms think your children are all above average, we know that, okay? But we recognize that there's an averageness to us, and I love that, that God says, I want to speak to you, and I want to give you good news of great joy, and I want to tell you first this great news, that Jesus has arrived, God Himself is entering this scene. God Himself is entering our lives. Everything has changed. Now, this baby who is born in in this manger now becomes the object of our joy, right? The, The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, all of a sudden, we get to return that joy and we get to worship Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team up here as we uh, get ready to close out. So this joy that I'm talking about is Christmas. This is the message of Christmas, is not only as we see behind us hope and love, it is joy. And this should mark our lives. Every bit of our lives, we should have joy within us, overflowing. When we get bumped, joy should come out. Now, there's a joy that Scripture commands this joy that is an action that can be engaged of regardless of how we feel. There are times it doesn't make it to our face, but there is still a joyful part of our lives that we never get away from. Matthew chapter five, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking this. He says to his disciples, you are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be angry and post it on Facebook right? Don't we do that, right? A little close to home. (laughs) Be angry and say nasty things on Twitter, right? No. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is Jesus talking, saying, hey folks, you're going to go through difficult times. Even following after Christ, you're going to come against difficult times, but don't Ever let joy leave you. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I bet if Paul had more room on his papyrus he's writing on or that parchment, he would say, and again, I'm going to tell you, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Maybe he says something about how we do use social media, right? Then he goes on, he says, rejoice always. Pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then on from Paul, we have James who says this. uh, James chapter one, verse two. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance must complete its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Consider it great joy when you have trouble. The next time you have trouble, which might be this afternoon when your car doesn't start, (laughs) have joy. The next time somebody says something against you because of your faith, have joy. The next time you're passed up on a promotion at work because you've taken a stand for, for an ethical stand that is just core to your values and you're not gonna do something that the boss wanted you to do and you're passed up, consider it something building within you. God is doing something. In First Peter chapter 4, dear friends, again, don't be surprised when the fire ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah. These verses are so encouraging to me, and I think myself, like many of you, you walk through difficult, dark times in your life. And it is so easy to point the blame, to, to, to lash out at others, but God is asking us to do something different, especially in this Advent season. He wants us to take that joy of the Lord that is our strength and to proclaim it into the lives of others. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. The way we're going to end this morning is uh, with a bit of joy as we sing. And here's, here's what I want to do. Um, One of the things that is pointed out here by by Jesus is that um, obviously he left this earth, right? There's this ascension in the book of Acts where Jesus uh, leaves from this earth. And so Jesus begins talking to his disciples. He says, hey, you're gonna have struggles. There's gonna be trouble, um, but I wanna tell you something. And listen to what Jesus says to his disciples as told by John. He says, I assure you, You will weep and wail, but the world will will rejoice. This is that troubled time that Jesus is talking about. The world's going to look at it and say, ha, look at this. There's nothing to your Christian faith. It's all wrong. It's all broken. He says, you will become sorrowful. Folks, there's a reality to the tragedies of life. There's sorrow here. But your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born born into the world. So you also have sorrow now. He's recognizing the difficulties we face. says this, but I will see you again. I love this. Your hearts will rejoice. No one will rob you of your joy. This is our inheritance, people of God, people of Life Church Utah. This is our inheritance. We have a joy that is unshakable, even if the world around us crumbles, even if political system makes us upset, even if all of these things going around us, we have a joy that is unshakable. Even if Christmas season doesn't turn out like we hope it would, we have a joy that is unshakable. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast we pray that it's a blessing to you for more information about life church check us out at lifechurchutah.com